You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Hangout. This episode is sponsored by Timeless and their newest Noir product line. Dun, dun, dun. Their packaging is very sophisticated, I'd say, and clean looking. And I've personally been enjoying the Blue Dream Live Resin Cart. What about you, Sob? I've been chiefing on the Northern Lights before bed and it does exactly what I want within two puffs and the flavor is... You can find these cartridges at a dispensary near you. Just be sure to check Weed Maps. All right, guys, let's dive right in. Previously, we interviewed the lovely Dr. Pepper Hernandez, and we spoke about the Cannabis Holistic Institute on episode number 51, and we barely touched on her knowledge with cannabis juicing that was so intriguing to Saba and I, and so now we have asked her to join us for another episode to have a conversation that's centered around cannabis juicing specifically. So let's welcome Dr. Pepper to the Cannabis Hangout. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on today. Thank you so much for coming back for round two. We are so excited to pick your brain and learn all the things. I know that cannabis juicing is foreign to loads of people, and we are very curious on how cannabis juicing can benefit and heal our bodies and how we can add it into our lifestyle to really get the benefits of this full circle plant. So, Dr. Hernandez, will you start by telling us why anyone should turn to cannabis juicing and a little introduction to the science behind it? Absolutely. So let's start with what the science is behind it, because I think it's so important that people understand why juicing is an option. Um, Most people who are growing their own plants or have neighbors who are growing, they just toss their leaves aside. I mean, this has been going on for, you know, generations, years of growing. They just toss them away. But there's such a benefit to juicing leaves, and we'll get specific in um, the type of leaves that you want to grab, but the science behind that is that you cannot have a psychoactive effect by just juicing leaves. And I think that was what drew me to it mostly when I was going through my healing crisis. And so the reason why that is because you have to decarboxylize pH and what's found in the plants themselves, the leaves themselves, is actually what we call THCA, which is an acid. And it only turns into THC when it's heated. So we're getting these benefits from the juicing the leaves, such as CBDA and THCA, that you cannot get when you're smoking or when you're processing the plant. Wow. That's very interesting. That is... So not- Uh, Yeah, so not just those, but also um, you're getting a lot of other cannabinoids, all the terpenes, all the good stuff. So why is it important for us to get like CBDA and and THCA? What is that? The CBDA is good for anxiety if you get the right cultivar, and THCA is good for inflammation, which that's the major benefit I was looking for was inflammation. It's known to help with arthritis, pain, and seizures. Mm 
And right. so those are a couple of things, you know, with a cancer scare and then diagnosed epileptic um, 20 years ago. Those are things that I'm looking for, for a cannabinoid to help me with. And so THC is the, or THCA is one of the only ones that have that. Um, so I wanted, I wanted that as a neuroprotectant mm-hmm. um, to be beneficial for some of the uh, conditions I was wanting to treat on myself. Wow. So at the time when you had started cannabis juicing, did you find that there was a lot of research online? Like, were you doing it all by yourself or did you like have someone to help you or were you just like diving into it headstrong? Oh no, there was nothing. Okay. This was, was, you know, eight years ago or more. There was nothing. So, and then maybe six years ago is whenever I was really trying to figure out what was going on with the leaves themselves. And it just made sense to me mm-hmm. to utilize them in whatever way I could because I was already a raw foodist for 10 years and I was big into juicing and cleansing and doing all that kind of stuff, not detoxing, but cleansing. And I was choosing, you know, raw fruits and vegetables as my main source of food mm-hmm. for general portion of the day. So it only made sense that if we're if we're leafing these plants, why am I not taking and using these? Right. And it kind of honest, I'll just be honest with you. It was um, the best option for me mm-hmm. as a physician to, and healer and, and, you know, person working with students and clients to use the leaves and juice them and try to get benefit from them versus using any of the THC RSO, Rick Simpson oil, or concentrates at that time, there wasn't really a lot of CBD concentrates. You just didn't see that. People weren't growing for CBD, you know, mm-hmm. eight, 10 years ago. They just weren't. Um, so everything was very heavy THC rich. And, and this is in Humboldt County and in, in, in the Emerald Triangle. So we were all growing for the highest THC count, you know, for selling purposes. Right, right. Um, so that was not something people were looking at whatsoever. So I was needing to find something I could utilize, get the benefit from, and not have psychoactive effects. And that's what led me to believe that I was going to use juice, juicing leaves, and it and it worked. Wow, that's crazy. So how, when you had first started your juicing journey with cannabis, was it like, you know, sometimes with cannabis, you feel it like day one and you're like, holy cow, like this has made such a huge impact. Was it day one that you felt it or was it like a week, a month? Like what, at what point did you find that the progress of the juicing was really implementing your body? That's a wonderful question that I don't think I've been asked before. So let me just state that I'm very sensitive. My nervous system is one of the body systems that I work with um, in this vessel. And so... I'm, I'm, I can tell just by the frequency, it's going to sound strange, but I can tell by the frequency of the plant if it's going to work with me. Just like if you smell a particular type of cannabis, those terpenes, you either are attracted to it or you're, you're not. Um, so I could literally feel the, the juice, you know, if it was going to work with me or not from the first day. Wow. It either, wow. That's amazing. Either. Well, if it was a um, more uh, sativa-dominant cultivar, I would feel anxious and uncomfortable. Um, And if it was more of an indica-dominant cultivar, which is what I was in search for, I would feel more relaxed and I would almost feel nothing. I would almost feel just perfectly Mm. normal myself. And that's when I knew 
those particular strains or those cultivars, those are the plants I was in search of from my friends, my farmer, you know, family members and the, and the farmers near me, I would, you know, ask them if I could come out and leaf for them, which they were thrilled because you pay people to leaf. Yeah. And so <laughs> that, you know, you pay them to leaf and you pay them to throw them away. But, um, so that's, I think that's kind of where it began is figuring out right on the day, the first day. And then I didn't see any physical benefit from, let's say, you know, my tumor was one of the things I was doing the juicing for specifically, and it was the size of the grapefruit. We had spoke about that on the last episode. Yes. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't checking in with that daily. That was more of a, every three months I would go in and get tested and, and see what that looked like. And about six months in, my CA125s, which are cancer indicators, those had split in half. So wow. I knew something was going on. Wow. Yeah. So the, the side bonus of doing the juicing was also that I was repairing uh, my reproductive system. Wow. That is so crazy. I just got chills. <laughs> that is, so whenever you were, I had read something um, about like how often, I know you said you were juicing for like pretty much all your meals. Is there like, like an, a period of time that you like uh, hours apart that you have to do that, if that makes sense? Like, were you doing it for your breakfast and your lunch and your dinner? Like, were you like juicing smoothies type thing? Did you ever have to like, you know, like take time away from doing that? I don't know if that makes sense, but like, just like the, no, it does. Okay. That makes sense. I, I think I understand your question and um, I'll just be clear by saying I wasn't juicing the whole day. I would gather the leaves, I would juice them through a processor, I would put them in ice cube trays, and I would freeze them so I would have them during the sprints of time that we possibly didn't have leaves. And so I would take a cube of this leaf pulp and put it into what I used to call a shamrock shake, and it was just nut milk in a cube, and I would drink that, and that was it, just Uh once a day. So I would only do one ounce of juice a day of the cannabis that or the cannabis, um, excuse me. But the reason why is because cannabis is so acidic, especially in that form Mm. that overconsumption of that could harm your stomach. Okay. So now that I look back at it, I was kind of, um, maybe pushing the limits on that. Mm -hmm. And so I would suggest to someone who is not having any ailments or discomforts, that are just doing it for general well-being, mm-hmm. you know, five leaves a day. And my article that I wrote for the Emerald years and years ago was five leaves a day. Basically keeps the doctor away, you know, like. Cool, yeah. I so I would suggest, and, and it's been said now that there's been so much more research done on it that close to 10 leaves. And so I think that that's going to be delegated by the, the grower and the person who's making the smoothie because of what size are those. Because we want water leaves. You know, yes. we want the larger leaves. We don't want the baby leaves because the plant needs that. So we want the ones that you're going to pick anyways. If you're a grower, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and if you're getting it from a local farmer, you're they're going to know. So tell me this. When, when you started, it was obviously a little bit different. And I don't know if cannabis testing and stuff was a thing back then. But um, 
in your recent years, if you have juiced, does testing come into play with those cannabis leaves? I don't know how that works when it comes to labs and stuff, but does that kind of stuff matter? I know that the grower probably matters in regards to how they're growing it and then the results that you get, but does testing come into play with it? Absolutely. Back in the day, no, we didn't do those kind of things because that was pretty much all black market Mm -hmm. uh, farming and that was years and years ago. But if you are going to get leaves now. There are many ways that we want to make sure that you have some pro tips for, for cannabis and I'll, and I'll tell you those in a moment. But as far as um, re, um, making sure that your plants are clean and green are the most important for me, the very most important. So that's the one thing I can get across to your listeners is to make sure that they're organic and make sure that if you have a choice, of farmers that are using chemicals on their plants or or those that are not, choose those that are not. Right. We want mm-hmm. those just like we would do organic spinach or organic spring mix. You're going to choose the ones that are the cleanest and the grown, you know, in the best environment even. Um, I was even finding that, and this is going to sound a little interesting, but I was finding that I was gravitating towards happier people that were growing happier plants. That, and yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. Totally. That's just the life of the, the plant, you know, is going to feel that. And so we had some, because it was humble, there, there was quite a bit of um, really lively hippie energy in the air. And so I would gravitate towards those people who were singing to their plants and putting crystals in their plants yeah. and wow. things like that, because that was the medicine that I needed as well. Wow. So it is very important. I wonder, do you currently know growers who do that with their plants? Well, my family, yes. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's neat. I know, I I guarantee not, you know, that's probably rare, I feel like, for growers. Just just depends on what headspace they're in, you know, Mm -hmm. and like what their intentions are, you know, whether it's just for the, the money and you know what I'm saying? Like, we know we have some guys who are growers who we really love and we just resonate with like what you're saying. We feel like they pour so much passion into them and just the way they talk about being in the room alone with them and just like that the plants are inviting them into the room. Like they are allowing them to be a part mm-hmm. of, you right. know, their territory and what they're doing. So I, I that's really cool that you were, I guess, were choosing what your body needed based off of the energy you got from, you know, the atmosphere that it was grown in and with who was growing it. Absolutely. It's so important. And we need to look at that, whether it's a raw plant material or whether it's a flower that we're smoking or a topical salve that we're putting on our bodies or a concentrate. All of these come down to one thing. It's like vibrational frequency. And you're going to find the plant is going to do better in a better productive environment, right? With really positive energy, just like a child would, Mm -hmm. with really good food, meaning it's... um, water or nutrients that they're using. I mean, all this is very important. And I don't know if enough people consider that when they're looking into purchasing cannabis in whatever realm they are, whether right. flour mm-hmm. or juice. And I think it's a very eye-opening experience whenever you really set intentions to see if you can tell the difference. Yeah. Because once your body yeah. tells the difference, you can't lie to it. Anymore, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know mm-hmm. it works and yeah. you mm-hmm. would be doing yourself, yeah. you know, dirty if you weren't listening to it. Absolutely. And we have multiple body systems that, you know, benefit from juicing. And, um, 
really, okay, this is really the major point with the question that you ask, and I, and I don't want to get too crazy about it, but because I'm a huge advocate of okay. clean, um, clean cannabis, but if you are consuming something that has chemical-laden production, for example, and that is compounded, think of how your kidneys and your liver and your gallbladder have to produce that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Thought-provoking. And so it's actually doing more harm been good at some points. It's just like eating a lot of crap. No, I wouldn't say the brand, but macaroni and cheese over and over and over again and right. expecting, you know, your digestive system to be, you know, full of friendly flora. That doesn't work that way. So we have to be really cognitive of what we're putting in our bodies and how we're getting it and who we're getting it from. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I yeah, think that's that's, a, that's a great. Those are constant reminders, yes, you know, because yeah. there are people who are in this industry or just consumers and patients who, peop, you know, you go to your nearest dispensary because it is convenient without knowing who the grower is, and you go in, you know, getting your flower based off of stuff you don't even know what your body needs. Yeah. But I exactly. feel like if everyone could go into the market or like go into their dispensary and know who their grower is and if they're clean, if they don't like and asking questions like that would, that would just make it a lot more merry little place. Yeah, absolutely. Or start creating like small community cannabis co-ops for their yes, that would be growing really cool. properly. Yes. And we're going to see that happening. I mean, I'm already hearing of things like that here in Oklahoma. So that is something that I think as long as we keep asking for it and keep educating it's going to happen. So we just need to educate people before we medicate people. Uh, There you go. That was very well said. So earlier you were talking about the different kinds of plants to look or sorry, the different kinds of leaves to look for. Will you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So there are different types of leaves on the plant. Some of them are the baby leaves or the ones that are closer to the bottom. Um, There are also fan leaves, which are the really large ones that kind of grow out depending on your cultivar or your strain. But they grow out and they get a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. You want to keep some of them. I guess it depends on if you're indoor or outdoor. And so I'm going to talk more about outdoor growing because that's what I have the most experience with. But the, um, the large ones sometimes shade a lot of the baby ones underneath. And so you want to be very diligent about which ones you choose because the plant doesn't need so much shade. So if they're growing a bunch of them quite close together, maybe they're those big fan leaves in the center you can take. Um, for example, if you were to just strip it all, then it's going to be out in the sun completely you know, bare of leaves. And so you don't want to do that. If you're growing indoor, that can be a little bit more of the same thought pattern where you'd want to take the leaves kind of closer to the bottom and a couple of the big fan leaves. And you kind of know when it's time to take the fan leaves depending on the duration of the um, the strain growing. You'll know kind of when your time is that you're going to leaf. And I'm hoping that that makes sense to someone who doesn't grow cannabis. But for those growers and those farmers, they probably can um, understand what I'm trying to communicate there. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but if you're growing your own, and this is what I'm suggesting to all people who are listening who are even fascinated at all, find the cultivar that you resonate with, that works with your body system, that has the cannabinoids and terpenes that you need, and just grow a few of those. Get your medical cards, grow a few of those, and just go for it. 
consume, whether you're going to smoke the flour or you're going to utilize the flour into a salve or you're just doing it for juicing purposes. I mean, it's so exciting to learn about it. And we need to look at these plants as such healthy, positive medicine. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So tell me this, as you're talking about outdoor plants, um, did you find a difference in quality with indoor growing or like the plants you got for indoor juicing versus the plants you got for outdoor juicing? Okay, that's a very sensitive subject. (laughs) Yes. Because I know some people are very big into indoor growing and and I think that that's just fine and I think there is a time and a place for indoor growing. Mm -hmm. Coming from Northern California, outdoor grow is much more nutritious and healthy because you're getting all the vitamin D straight from the sun. Yes. So if that was the choice I would make, typically was to do outdoor leaves because there's just so much more vitamins and nutrients that the plants create in a natural setting, which would be outdoor in the soil. With that being said, there were breaks of time. There were, excuse me, that was another phone call coming in. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry. You're um, fine. There, are, there were breaks of time, you know, after processing the plants from the outdoor grow that there would be quite a few, you know, months there where there was not, the amount of, you know, juicing or flowers, whatever one would need. So the indoor grow makes for, in my mind, makes for a good supplementation in between. Okay. That was very well and put. Yes. Yeah, that was really well. Because, I mean, it makes sense that we know that the sun provides more natural nutrients versus a light that's man-made. So that is full circle makes total sense. Mm-hmm. It's logic. Some people can't do the outdoor. Um, for so many, a list of reasons. And so indoor, you know, if you're strain specific and you're doing, you know, in my case, I was needed to be very strain specific because I was using it for epilepsy. And if I couldn't get it outdoor and it wasn't the proper season, I had to go indoor. And that was just, it was necessity. Mm -hmm. And so I do see the benefit of both, but if there is an option to do outdoor, I, I just believe the nutrients are there. And then I guess my follow-up question, which you kind of hit on was, um, so you were consistently using one strain for your epilepsy. What strain was that? Oh, goodness. So I, I played up with a lot of different things, honestly, but Northern Lights has been my all-time favorite. It's an old, old cultivar, and it was very hard to come by, but that was my all-time favorite. And um, I definitely grew other things, Mm-hmm. But that was my favorite to consume and to use topically. Uh, I also have been in the last three years working with ACDC, Catatonic, and a Tsunami. Okay. And those have been really, really helpful for my seizures and anxiety as well. There's more of a CBD, high CBD strain. Okay. Um, and then back in the day, it was more like triple OG and things like that, which were more for topicals for pain. And inflammation. So I do different strains for different purposes, I guess, if you. That's so cool. So do you, um, do you currently continue to cannabis juice even after you, you know, beat the, the tumor that you had previously with that? Is this like, are you just doing like preventive care or are you, have you just incorporated like this into your lifestyle to where you are doing it every day? Absolutely. I don't find that it's a, uh, it's something that I need to do 
all of the time. I do it more of a maintenance dose. Okay. So if I find a really great batch of leaves, I will do that for a week. I will enjoy it. I like that. Um, actually, we just had, you know, like maybe, I guess it was right before holidays. Someone brought me a, quite a bit and it was like a lemony, wonderful, awesome, you know, juicing, terpene smelling. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, but that was needed to be done in the daytime because of the dominant strain that right. that was. Interesting. It's so interesting that even though it's non-psychoactive, how it has the still effects on your body, you know, daytime versus nighttime. And that's why I shared with you that I'm a very sensitive human. Yes. And so some people may not feel the effects whatsoever. For for those people who are working with their nervous system, which would include anxiety or seizures or autoimmune, any of that kind of stuff, you might be very sensitive to um, even cannabis and just the juicing form, non-psychoactive. For example, if I put a topical salve on my body, I swear I can feel it. And everyone, you know, scientists and other people will say that that's illogical, that that just doesn't happen. Um, but I, I, I can sense it. That's good. You're just in tune with your body and what it needs. Maybe so. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely yeah, think that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me this. Can, just as somebody who doesn't know what it looks like, if you could paint like a visual, I'm standing in the kitchen, I have a ton of leaves to my right, what do I do? Sure. This is, that's a fabulous question um, that I think that we definitely need to touch on. There are multiple different juicers out there, and the Champion Juicer is an old-school juicer. If you can find one of those, or they may make new ones, that is probably the brand of preferred, you know, for most people who are doing large amounts of juicing. Okay. So what what you would do is you probably have one of those on your counter as well. But first off, you take your leaves out of your turkey bag, which is just like a plastic bag that typically, you know, farmers will give you a bag of those leaves um, and immerse them in clean water. I suggest not using tap water because we don't ever really know what's in our tap water, but using uh, purified clean water, you know, from the grocer. Submersing those deeply, um, fill up, fill bubble up with water and give them a little bit of a massage, just like you would do kale, for example, if you're doing kale and olive oil. And then taking those and kind of folding them up like you would cabbage, for example, um, and putting them through your juicer. Now, I always had either apples or some kind of watery, high water content vegetable near me as well. So that way they didn't get stuck in the um, juicer itself. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you can do. And um, let me jump ahead by saying juicing just the leaves is very bitter tasting. And so I would at the end use something else like um, a pineapple juice or something like that. But if you use apple or um, cucumber even or celery at while you're doing it, um, while you're putting it through the processor, it will come out as a really nice tasting juice that you can actually, it's palatable. So you would take those leaves, put them through the juicer, juice that out, usually keeping them in like a maybe two-cup container, pouring that into a old-school ice cube tray and putting that in your freezer, um, allowing it to completely solidify. And then you can either just use them right out of your um, ice cube tray, depending on how many leaves you're juicing, or you can put them then into a big Ziploc bag and put them in your freezer and have them for months. 
Okay. Love that. That's really awesome. So you could either do it fresh daily or go ahead and like essentially like meal prep your cannabis juicing. I would definitely meal prep mine if you had that amount, that large of amount. But I suppose if it's not a large amount and you're only doing like, you know, you have like three little baby plants outside and you're taking like one leaf a day, Mm -hmm. then just, just eat it. Just eat it straight away. You know, that's totally fine. Just don't even juice it. Just eat it. Eat the whole thing. Interesting. Um, Interesting. The one really important piece I want to make is that if you are using your ice cube trays or ice cubes, excuse me, from the ice cube trays later, you can, which I wouldn't suggest this, but you can place them in, say, with your breakfast. Um, if you're cooking something or in with a soup or a stew, that is going to change the THCA into a THC, which is going to be psychoactive. So make sure that you're not getting those ice cube trays over, or those ice cubes, excuse me, or the ice cube trays for that matter, over 200 degrees because okay. around 200 to 220 is when that converts over. Gotcha. So quick question, just to cut you off a little bit. Um, Can you implement, I've been big into smoothies in the morning. Is that something that you could just like still do, you know, put the water or the plant in the water and then just throw it into a smoothie and mix it? Or could you just do it like fresh plant, throw it in the smoothie, don't even have to submerge it in water? Either one. If you have a really clean plant, you're growing clean, you know 100% that that is organic, you feel like you're just going to eat it right off the thing, totally fine. Absolutely. Any way that a person can get these leaves into their body, these real, raw, heavy THCA dominant compounds that help with um, neuroprotective and inflammatory issues, that's, that's awesome. So do whichever way you want to. Oh, wow. So you said, Dr. Hernandez, to keep in a two-cup container, how many leaves does it take if you're using like apple or celery with it to, you know, fill up your little tray that you might use for the week? Like how many cannabis leaves is that? Like give or take. That's it. That's interesting because, you know, I haven't really thought about that, but I think it would just depend on how much other high water content vegetables you're going to use. Mm -hmm. If you were just using leaves specific only, you're going to need quite a bit. Okay. Um, But if you're doing a little bit of both, it would just, I would say maybe, oh, I don't even want to answer that because I don't know. So it was just like trial and error, essentially. You just have to like play with it. Eyeballing it. I'm thinking like two cucumbers, two things of celery and a handful of leaves. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, But it's really going to depend on what a person has on hand that they're going to utilize. So it could be so different. That makes sense. I feel like we need to like have a little class together in your kitchen (laughs) so we can like all do this. Let's do it. I'm I'm open for that. Let's do that. You guys come on out. Oh, we okay. Love that. Don't tempt <laughs> us with a good time. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up all the questions that we have. Is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners listeners know? No, I just appreciate you guys for your time and getting education out to people. And I think our listeners need to really focus on being educated. Being educated before stepping into a dispensary to get medicated. Um, Get with a cannabis therapy consultant. Watch videos online. I have so many videos on YouTube that people can just, you know, kind of watch and browse through little five-minute chunks of data or information for them. People can always reach out to me. But I think what you guys are doing by interviewing people and getting 
that knowledge recorded, I think is just fabulous. And so thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us again and let us pick your brain brain on all things cannabis juicing. This has been so enlightening and I cannot wait to put cannabis in my smoothies. You're one of our favorite conversations (laughs) that we have got to bring back and that we could keep bringing back. So we just love you and appreciate you. We just want you to know that. Oh, I love you ladies. It's so much fun being on. So anytime, anytime. Okay. We're going to reach out to you. (laughs) Okay. Well, guys, this concludes another uh, episode of the Cannabis Hangout. We appreciate you guys taking the time to be here with us and listen to our episodes. And Brandon, as always, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.